Welcome in, everybody, to the Horror's Edge podcast. My name's Phil. And I'm Stacy. And today we are discovering 2022's Barbarian, written and directed by Zach Kreger. This is a movie that I'm going to say right up front. Do not know anything going into this movie. If you have any desire to see it, go see it. And, uh... Try and look up as little as possible for this. Hell, don't even look at the poster for this because there are things that you do not want to know about this movie whatsoever. Yeah, I think go in with a blonde eye. Blind eye. Or a blonde eye, whatever you prefer. Well, uh, I am blonde. <laughs> it shows with that sentence. So this movie, uh, I heard about it through some YouTube channels and they pretty much said the same thing. This movie's great, but make sure that you uh, look up or don't look anything up before you go to see it because this movie is predicated on uh, surprise and there are plenty of surprises in store if you see this, so this is the final warning for it. While I am spoiler-free for the first section of it up until we go to do a scene-by-scene breakdown, I do want you to know that it's impossible to talk about this movie at all um, without spoiling certain things. So if you have not seen it, please, please, please go check this movie out. It's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's still in some theaters, but it just started on HBO uh, recently. Theaters is the way to see it, I think, if you can get, like I saw it, a theater packed full of people. But HBO is just as good if you're with a couple of people that enjoy the, these type of movies. So, uh, diving into it, to me, this is an awesome movie. Yeah. Uh, The the way that we break down movies, by the way, uh, first off, this is a second watch for me. This is my first. Um, I saw this in theaters, like I said, about a week after it came out. Stacy had no idea about this movie. I told her that I saw it when I was down and traveling for work, and she's like, oh, what's that about? I'm like, don't worry about it. (laughs) We'll see it at some point. Um, so let's uh, actually review this movie. The way that we rate the movies is 1 through 10. 1 is dog shit terrible. Do not watch this movie. 5 is it's an average movie. You're not going to be mad or sad that you watched it and it's not going to uh, blow you away. 10 being this is an amazing movie. Everybody needs to watch it. What did you give this? I'm very curious. Do you think it's going to be low? I don't think it's going to be low, <laughs> but I, I have no idea. I gave it an eight. Okay. Is that what you thought? Uh, kind of. Yeah. To me, it felt very refreshing. It felt like a new take. Granted, I'm sure that this storyline has been used quite a bit, but I really enjoyed it. It was a great story. Super unique. Camera angles, the scenes. Um, It worked really well for me. Yeah. So I gave this two different reviews or two different ratings Uh, right now it's a seven out of ten for me i really enjoyed it the characters in here get developed really well they jump back and forth between different timelines flawlessly and it works so freaking well with this film the way that it jumps between different scenes um the guys that you're supposed to be scared of in this movie you're definitely scared of the guys that you're supposed to hate in this movie you mostly hate yeah uh it does everything well now the reason i said i gave it two different scores is the first time that i saw this i would have easily been at a nine out of ten the second watch for it the 
holy shit moments, they weren't really there. Because yeah. I was waiting for them. I expected them. I expected those scene jumps, which are amazing, but yeah. it doesn't hit quite as good the second time that you watch it. So this is one that I think on first watch, it's so awesome. May not be something that I throw in every year, though. So yeah. that's why I gave it a seven. Definitely above average, but definitely not like absolutely amazing. So the way that IMDb breaks this movie down is in a town for a job interview, a young woman arrives at her Airbnb rental late at the night, only to find that the house is mistakenly double booked and a strange man is already sitting there. Against her better judgment, she decides to stay the night anyway, but soon discovers that there is much more to be afraid of in the house other than the guest. See, and I liked how going into the movie in the beginning, I had an I what I thought was the idea of the story, which I like when a movie do when a movie does that it kind of throws you off. Yep. I appreciated that. I liked that they kind of were hand feeding you this story to say, "Hey, this is what it's going to be," and it completely went the other direction. I loved it. I like that until it's overused. This is something that uh, I guarantee is going to be a trend in Hollywood and it's going to get very annoying. But as of now, it's a fresh take and it's something that I truly enjoy. Absolutely. Granted, this story has been done many times and will be done many times after this movie. But for me, it felt fresh. It felt like I haven't seen it in a while. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Um, Let's get into a scene-by-scene breakdown. So full spoilers ahead. If you have not seen this movie, last chance, go see this movie. So um, the movie opens up with the close-up of the house, uh, 417 Barbary Lane, and uh, one light is on the front porch. That's all that you can see is what that one light shows you. Everything else is pitch dark. It's downpour, raining, and then Tess pulls up in her car. She's on her phone, and she confirms the code for the Airbnb that she's staying at and runs, grabs her luggage. She's reciting the codes. That way she doesn't have to pull her phone out in the rain. And uh, she goes to open up the key plate, and when she opens it up, there's no key inside. So she picks up her phone and calls customer service, but... Very similar to any hotel customer service. Uh, When you call late at night, you're not going to get anybody. Yeah. Which, unlike a hotel, um, a hotel will typically have somebody on staff 24-7. A Airbnb, I'm assuming, just has somebody who owns a house and they just want to list their property for short term. Yeah. So once uh, she's not able to get in touch with anybody, she runs back over to her car and pulls out her phone, and as she's trying to come up with an idea of what it is that she needs to do, um, you can sort of, it's a pretty cool little scene to where you can see the silhouettes of the houses around as she's looking around, like where she's at, trying to gauge uh, perception, and uh, you see the silhouettes of the houses, but you don't see anything else. But then all of a sudden, she sees a light turn on inside of the house. Yep. So she knows somebody is in there. And uh, she goes up to the house and she's ringing the doorbell to find fucking Pennywise answer the door. That's who that was? That's who it is. It's Bill Skarsgård. Okay, that's who I thought. And that's all that I could see throughout the first showing of this movie is, holy shit, it's fucking Pennywise. Get out of here. He looked so familiar and I could not place it. 
But he just gave that like, hey, I know who you are, but I can't pinpoint you. Yep. Oh, that's hilarious. Pennywise the clown answers the door. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> his name is Keith. He's a very, very nice guy. And he's very tired. Uh, he, he can tell he's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And he rented the place as well. So it's double booked. So he rented on a different app than she rented on. And they book through different sites. And he ends up inviting her in to figure it out. Like, hey, come on in. Let's figure this out. I'll call my customer service and see what's going on. And she walks in. And then as she's walking in, the camera kind of pans with her. And then as it pans to the house, it turns into a black screen. And then it's the title card. Really yeah. cool way to get the title card in there. When he first answered the door, I was like, this is kind of like a creeper vibe. And I kind of got that throughout as the scenes kind of progressed. I, I don't know what it was about him. Yeah. And, and I think that this movie preys on the double standards yeah. of men versus women. Uh, one thing that I forgot to do is go through the trivia, but there's actually a trivia fact in here about how the director uh, kind of got the idea about reading a book on the differences of how men and women look at things. And he kind of twisted that into uh thing. The book was called The Gift of Fear, which encourages women to trust their intuition when confronted by obviously dangerous men. Um, and he ended up using that to craft this movie, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, you can definitely see that kind of storyline throughout in the beginning. Um, and I think it really worked well. It really fell well on this story of kind of two strangers double booked in an Airbnb. They're both kind of nervous, but you feel worse for the woman because it's it's scarier to go into the situation as a woman versus a man in the house. Sure, and then looking at it from the guy's perspective, you're pissed that you just got woken up from the middle of sleep. Uh, you booked this room, and then she's acting like you're the criminal instantly. That's true. So it definitely preys on those double standards and people are going to look at things differently. The guys, like I can, de I definitely instantly saw the women's perspective, but also I took his shoes and I was like, man, I'd be pretty pissed right yeah. now if I were him. And especially like because. Instant victim, instant, you are the monster, but really it's you invited this woman into this house that right. is yours. Even if nothing happened, she could go out and be like, oh, he tried to hit on me. Oh, he was flirting with me, blah, blah, blah. And like spin this story. Yeah. Just based on the fact that she walked in to his rental even though he invited her. It's a yeah. whole great you, story. You definitely get that vibe later on with a different story that unfolds. Yes. So you can tell Tess is very uneasy about being there and uh, ask him to pull up his reservation just to be sure that he's actually supposed to be in there. Um, and she goes to the bathroom while he pulls it up. And she sees all of his travel stuff in there when he's there. So there's a little travel bag on the uh, sink. So she feels a little bit more unease, I think, at ease. Yeah. Because obviously he's staying there that that's what you have inside of your bag but she did place. notice that he left his freaking toothbrush on the floor of the bathroom yeah but i i don't think that that was meant like oh this is gross he's disgusting i think that no i know another uh thing of he has his travel toothbrush and it's plugged in charging yeah. but there's no room on the sink so it's on the ground so i know more things telling her that uh 
he is just a guest in this house, just like she is. It just was gross. So she walks out and shows Keith the reservation details, and she confirms, yep, he is supposed to be there, but she's still very uneasy about everything. So she decides that she's going to look up a hotel. So she pulls her phone out, and at the time, uh, it, Keith is like convincing her, hey, you can look up a hotel, that's fine, but I, I probably wouldn't do it outside. I don't know if you notice this neighborhood. I, I wouldn't want to not be behind a locked door out there. Yeah. So she's a little bit uneasy about it, but she decides, okay, I'm going to sit on the couch and look for a hotel. And Keith's like, hey, I can make you some tea for you. Or, hey, there's a bottle of wine that they had over here. And uh, she says, no, thank you. And he's like, All He's right, really well. trying to put her at ease to kind of say, like, I get the situation, but, like, I'm really just trying to be a nice guy right here. Yeah. So he's like, well, I'm just going to make you a cup of tea anyway, that, in case if you change your mind. So she's looking it up and calling hotels, and the hotels are all booked. And he's like, you know, there's a medical convention going on in town right now. So I'm guessing that finding a hotel room is not going to be the easiest thing in the world. And uh, Keith's like, tell you what, wh why don't you crash here? Uh, you can even take the bed. I'll sleep on the couch. And then we'll call customer service. And then we'll both get reimbursed for the night. And it's almost like a free stay. And she's like, uh, okay, we'll do that. But I'll, I'll take the couch. You you." go to the bedroom. Keith just instantly jumps in again. No, my upbringing says that I'm not going to let a girl sleep on the couch. Uh, and she's like, yeah, well, I have a thing about clean sheets. You were already in the bed. So he washes the sheets for her. <laughs> I thought that was neat. <laughs> and even goes out to her car and grabs her bag for her because it's raining outside. Yeah. So he is like the ultimate nice guy. And she still thinks that he is a creep. Yeah. Um, so while she's in the bedroom setting her stuff up, she sees his wallet on the... Uh, thing and she's still so nervous about him he she opens up his wallet takes a picture of his id yeah like, to make sure that's who it is in case anything happens yeah so she takes a shower while keith is in the kitchen and she gets dressed goes into the kitchen and he's waiting for her and said hey I, I didn't want to open this wine because i noticed that you didn't drink your tea before and thought maybe uh you didn't drink it because you didn't see me make it. So I don't want to open the bottle without you in the room. Super creepy thing to say. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you I'm almost, laying everything out on the table for you. You obviously don't trust me. I yeah. see that and I get it. Yeah. He's trying to put her at ease and he's doing everything right. It, but he's making her more. But by doing that, <laughs> it's creeping her out more, which I can see. I can see his side. I can see her side. Yeah. But by being like, hey, just so you know, I didn't, like, roofie didn't this drink. drink. Let me open up in front of you, which is just, like, yeah, a red nothing flag. Nothing says I'm not going to rape you, like telling a woman I'm not going to rape you. Right. It's <laughs> just, I get it, but that's what I mean. Like, the story, you're thinking, holy crap, this guy really is going to do something. Yeah. And I liked how they played on it. It really felt great. So they uh, end up having a conversation at the dinner table. Um well, because he says, hey, we still got another hour to kill while your sheets are washing, so yeah. we might as well talk. What brings you to town anyway? So she says that she's in town applying for a uh, filmmaker position um, and mentions that the director doesn't have anything big, but they did a movie called The Blue Easy before, which was a jazz movie. And he's like, oh, yeah, I love that movie. That was great. She's like, bullshit. You never saw that movie. This is where I thought he must have stalked her. 
to yeah. like get into the which that's kind of what they're playing off of. They're trying to make it seem like he kind of followed her there. Something's yeah. going to happen. Because the Blue Easy is uh, the way that they mention it. It's a jazz movie that barely anybody has saw. And, yeah. And then he's like, okay, so what's the next project that you're applying for? And they're like, oh, we're making a thing about Detroit where we're at. And uh, we're going to be looking through the music scene. He's like, oh, well, once you get the job, the first thing that you should do is you should interview me. And he mentions that he's one of the founding members of some Detroit band. And this instantly makes a shift in her. Yeah. Like it puts her at ease instantly. And they chat for a long time and they're drinking wine. They're even chatting past the point where the sheets are done. Yeah. It goes into the other room, shows that the sheets are done, goes back to them. And they're still talking. And <clears throat> they're even talking about the stereotypes uh, that women and men have. And she, uh, Tess says, guys get to do whatever they want. Girls have to be careful. Like, if tonight the roles were reversed and you were inside of the house, first off, I would have never come into the house. And uh, Keith's looking at her and asks her, like, what do I look like, a monster? And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, fucking Pennywise, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you eat children. <laughs> The dancing clown. Yep. Uh, so they end up making the bed together and they're hitting on each other quite hard. Um, and they're both smiling. They're having a good time. And he ends up going to sleep on the couch after like an awkward pause of like, hey, should we proceed further with this? Or you know what? I'm just going to go on the couch and sleep. This is where the shift happened in Tess, though, because up until this point, anytime she went to the bathroom or another room, she immediately locked the door right behind her. Yeah. And then after they kind of were getting along, I don't know if she forgot or she just felt. Well, she did lock the door. Not when they went to bed. No, she did. She locked the door. Um, So as soon as he shut the door. Uh, she locked it and then she smiled. So she was very at ease. But she did lock the door. Oh, I wrote um, that she didn't lock the door. And she wakes up in the middle of the night and uh, there's noises going on. And then she looks over and sees the door wide open. And she hears Keith making these noises in the other room. And she walks in there to find him having night terrors on the couch. And she... Uh, walks towards him and you can see the door slowly closing in the background. So at this point you're thinking, okay, is this a movie where Keith is a murderer, mm-hmm. where there's supernatural stuff going inside of this house yep. or just something crazy, or maybe Tess is the yeah. uh, person that we should be scared of. Right. Cause that um, would have thrown it off. Completely. And that's what I was thinking when I originally watched this movie is Tess is the one who set all this up. Yeah. Like she just walked right up to an Airbnb and went to kill the guy. But um, so she wakes up Keith and uh, he's freaking the fuck out because he had night terrors and you don't wake somebody up when they're having it. And she asks him, did you open my door? And he just seemed offended to sell. He's like, no, I didn't open your fucking door. Yeah. And uh, she ends up going back to bed. She locks the door again. And when she wakes up to get ready for work, Keith is already gone, but uh, gone, but he left her a note saying, I, I hope you have a great day. Kill it on the thing. But P.S. I had a great time last night. Yeah, it was really sweet. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, by the way, leave the key in the lockbox. Yep. 
because uh, obviously both of them are staying more than one night. Yeah. Um, and he's not sure if she's going to find a different place to stay or not. So Tess walks outside, leaves the key off, and then she sees the neighborhood because it's morning. And the neighborhood is super fucked up. Like downtown yeah. Detroit, this whole neighborhood is abandoned, just absolutely destroyed. That was an amazing scene when she turned around and the only house in the block that's normal and well-kept is that house. Yeah. So uh, she meets uh, her future boss for the interview in downtown Detroit and her boss is talking with her seems to be having very good vibes and the meeting is over and she's like oh by the way where are you uh staying at she's like oh I'm over at uh, Airbnb over in Brightmore the boss's face just like drops she's like you're in Brightmore yeah because <laughs> she knows that town it's like you shouldn't be there yeah. you should not be in Brightmore and she's like oh well it's fine I got a roommate and Things are good. It's like, all right, well. Be careful. Yeah, be careful. You sure, You seriously should not be in Brightmore. Seems like she got the job and she had a good vibe with her boss, but her boss was, as soon as she said the town name, she's like, you, you shouldn't fucking be there. Yeah. <laughs> so she's driving back and you see more of the houses just destroyed down the road. Like everything completely unkept, uh, all the grass completely overgrown. And... As she's going up and getting the key to open the door, you see a person from the background. And I love it when movies do this. It Follows did it perfectly. Yeah. This did it very well as well. person in the background just sprinting towards the camera. Yeah. And you see it slowly because they're so far away. And he's screaming at her. Like, hey, lady, get, get over here. Get over yeah. here. Get away from that place. Get over here. And she's panicking, obviously. Because who wouldn't panic when somebody's yelling yeah. And running towards you, you don't know what they want. And she gets into the house and instantly locks the door, calls 911 saying, I can't see him anymore. You need to get somebody down here right away. And they're like, yeah, well, we don't have any available units. Yep. Once again, Brightmore. Holy shit. Yeah, they know. <laughs> uh, and not only do they know, they're not going to waste a unit for s somebody saw a homeless person. Like, yeah, no shit. It's Brightmore. There's homeless everywhere. Right. You don't see him right now? All right. It's not a problem. We don't have any available units for you. Right. So she ends up having to calm herself down in front of a mirror, goes to the bathroom. She realizes that there's no toilet paper there, and she ends up searching the whole house for some, which brings her to the basement. And she finds some toilet paper down there, but as she's down there and walking back up, the door shuts on her uh, to get out of the basement, and now she's locked down there. And her phone, like that it pans. That is my biggest fear. It pans upstairs. There's her phone upstairs, but she can't get to it. The key to the house is upstairs. It's no, not it's in, in the lockbox. Oh, yeah, it's in her pocket. It's in pocket. Uh, so uh, Keith is not going to be able to get in when he shows up, and she's just locked down there with nothing to do. So she starts searching around. Now, I'm a big fan of horror movie podcasts, which is kind of why I started this one. And one of my favorite ones, Horror Movie Talk, I believe is the name of it, um, had a really funny tweet that they did where uh, they were talking about this movie is a movie about progressively more fucked up things. Yeah. <laughs> like the movie starts out with a fucked up premise. And you're like, man, that can't get much worse. And then it gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> and then, it just builds on itself. And then you find a door and you're like, man, this can't get any more fucked up than this. And then you find <laughs> another door. Right. <laughs> oh, man, it was freaking hilarious. So as she's downstairs, uh, she finds a rope in the wall and she pulls it. And as she's pulling it, 
you see a trap door open up, but inside it's pitch black. You can't see shit. And she looks inside and just goes, nope. Nope. (laughs) Which, if I didn't see the movie Nope about a month before this would have been much funnier. But it still worked very well. So I, I think Nope was still in production when this happened. So I'm not going to say that they ripped it off. But they unfortunately hit at the same time. Um, and uh, another piece of trivia that I found on this is uh, Jordan Peele. Although not officially credited in any way, Jordan Peele was an invisible hand in shaping the eventual story. Uh, Georgina Campbell, who is Tess, tells IndieWire in an interview that uh, Zach Krepper is good friends with Jordan Peele. And they spoke to Jordan Peele a lot when he was writing the film, and Jordan Peele saw an early cut of it as well. So he was definitely kind of part of the essence of the movie, and this is a part where you definitely saw Jordan Peele in this movie. Yeah. So you haven't seen Nope yet, but it, we'll get into that when we get there. Yeah. Um, you can def- It definitely felt very Jordan Peele-y to me when I saw that. Um, so... She's still stuck in the basement. You can tell some time passed after she said, fuck that room. She's sitting on the steps, but eventually she's too curious. She needs to check it out. So she grabs this mirror and angles it at the light, which shines light into the open space, which reminded me of the mummy. (laughs) Because they did that in the mummy. Um, That's how they got light into the uh, pyramid. Um, But... You can still only see so much, and it's such a cool shot. You, you just see, like, the 4 by 4s that's holding up the walls and super creepy down there. But she ends up going in, and as she's walking in, she can notice that there's another room on the side. And inside of that, you find a good old-fashioned rape room. Uh, <laughs> there's a disgusting bed. There's a shit bucket and a blood print on the wall and a camera pointed towards the bed. So she sees that. And she runs the fuck out of there. She's like, I don't want any part of this. And then Keith is banging on the door and starts walking away. She sees him through a window. So she's banging on the window. Finally, he sees her, helps her out of there because she has the key on it. And she tells Keith everything that happened. And he's just like, well, I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> I know. Once again, stereotypes of a woman saying, absolutely not. I'm not going down there. A guy being curious like, that sounds pretty neat. I yeah. need to see that for myself. Yeah, I could She's like, no, we it. need to leave. We need to leave right now. He's like, we need to leave because he saw a room with a bed in it downstairs. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's called a basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll have those sometimes. And he's like, hey, I'm not going to get freaked out and leave over this. And he even gets to the point where he stops her from leaving. Like, he's blocking the door. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, maybe Keith is the fucked up dude here. And uh, he's convinces her to stay, and he's like, hey, I'm going to go downstairs by myself to check it out. I just need you to stay up here in case the door shuts. I don't want to get locked down there, and you're gone. So she agrees to that, and he goes down and just silence from him. You don't hear anything, and uh, it's quite a while till you hear something, and then um, he shouts back to her saying, yeah, I can see it. And then once again, silence, silence, silence. And Tess finally goes down to check on him. She holds the door at the chair before going down. So very smart. She uses her cell phone flashlight while she's down there. So it reveals a little bit more of the room, but not once again, this room's never fully lit up. Uh, Super creepy room. I like that they use the heartbeat sound when she was walking through the halls. 
really brought a good ominous feeling. Yeah, the score for this was really cool. Um, so she notices uh, she went to the rape room, and then because now she has her cell phone, she can see yet another door. So once again, a fucked up room leading to a more <laughs> fucked up room, which now leads to an even more fucked up room. <laughs> it's the house um, of many doors. Yes. So she opens the door, and it's like this dugout stairwell. Yeah. Super cool looking, but super terrifying. If I would have said, you know shoes. what? Fuck it. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know you, Keith, and now you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she is calling for him. Keith, Keith, are you there, Keith? And finally, you just hear him yell for help. He's crying for help. So she slowly walks down the stairwell calling for Keith. And once again, I, I wrote, this is such a cool sounding score. It's a heartbeat and it starts out slow. And the further down she gets, the faster his yeah. heartbeat is getting. Yeah. And it's so freaking cool how it works with it. And when she gets to the bottom of the stairs, it falls to silence. So the heartbeat goes away and she finds tunnels uh, dug out and they actually have gates on them with, locks the locks aren't on right now but the tunnels can all be gated up and locked and she hears keith screaming in the background she walks towards him she sees dog cages there uh with blood on them obviously dried blood it's been a while since they've been used and keeps walking deeper and then finally keith is crawling out towards her he's terrified yeah on the ground says somebody else is down here somebody bit me she's like all right well we got to go this way we got to leave she's like no i think that's the way that she is i saw the thing there and then you see something in the distance behind keith just run up grab his head and just beat his fucking head into the wall and so graphic. you get a little bit of glimpses of it it's a giant naked woman and she's screaming as she's hitting him in the wall and then pitch black this scene cuts out completely Boom, now we're in California. Justin Long, AJ, is singing some happy-ass song in a convertible next to the beach. The sunshine is there. Everything's great in the world. Holy shit, is this a shift. We just went from the most terrifying scene in the world to a uh, sunshiny beach in California. Yeah. (laughs) So freaking awesome. I remember the first time that I saw this in theaters, the whole crowd was just like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> it was such a cool atmosphere. It was almost a sold out uh, movie. And it's been so long since I've seen a movie like that. It was so awesome to see. Um, so he gets a call from his agent while he's in the car. And his agent tells him, uh, hey, we need to talk to you about a uh, pretty serious thing. There was an allegation against you from a cast member. And... Uh, She's claiming that she was sexually assaulted by you during the filming of the pilot. And at this point, AJ is more concerned about the pilot than he is the f- fact that he has an accusation against him. He's like, well, who, well what's going on with the pilot? Is Are we still filming in the second episode? Like, I'm ready to do this. Yeah. And they're letting him know, hey, the most likely scenario is you're going to be fired. And he says, that fucking bitch. And his agents are telling him, chill out, chill out. And uh, you might not want to say that. <laughs> I actually wouldn't say anything else to anybody. Yeah. And this is going to be on the Hollywood Reporter. So everybody's going to new- know about this. And he's like, what is she saying? What is she saying that I did? She said that you raped her. And now we flash to AJ meeting with his accountant. And he's saying that he's going to be completely broke in three months based on this. He no longer has income coming in because he's no longer part of the pilot. He has small income coming in from his Michigan properties, but his mortgage is absolutely killing him. So 
Uh, his accountant tells him that he needs to start liquidating his assets and that he needs to find a new accountant because he's letting him go as well. Yeah. So AJ's life completely t- twisted upside down in a matter of one phone call. AJ calls his lawyer and uh, says that he wants to talk with the girl. Nip this whole thing in the butt. Let's just figure this out. Let's let's end it. And his lawyer's like, do not under any circumstances talk to this girl. There is going to be no positive things that ever happen if you talk to her. I guarantee it. It's only going to hurt the situation. Yeah. And then he ends up mentioning, all right, well, I just landed for my flight. and I'm grabbing my rental car. The lawyer's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> you just landed? Where are, Where are you? you? And yeah. he's like, hey, I'm in Detroit. I need to uh, liquidate some assets. And he's like, you shouldn't leave the state, man. <laughs> like, you don't have cop trouble yet, but there's a strong possibility. And you leaving the state looks like uh, a serious problem. And he's like, listen, dude, I'm not here for <laughs> to, bake in, the, to yeah. bake in the sun of Detroit life. I'm here to liquidate <laughs> my assets because I'm not going to be able to pay you soon. So he ends up picking up his keys to uh, his place in Barberry Lane, which is the same place that all the stuff earlier happened. So now we figured out the connection with how he's involved in everything. And you can tell that the receptionist did not want to deal with him at all. So the uh, article from the Hollywood Reporter's out. People already know about it, and AJ's name is associated with being a rapist. Yeah. So every woman that he deals with treats him like a piece of shit from here on out. Um with the exception of one person, which we'll get into. Um, and he makes it to the house, and Tessa's car is still out front. And he goes in, and he sees people's stuff everywhere. Uh, the lights are still on. The door to the basement's still open. The lights in the basement are on. The uh, bathroom has all the stuff in there. And he calls uh, the customer service of the Airbnb, and uh, he's like, oh, Somebody's still in here? Somebody's squatted in my house? Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, it looks like nobody's been there for a few weeks. And uh, the person's super short with them. I'm guessing because she read the report as well. She knew exactly who yeah. it was. And then she's like, you have a good day, sir, and then hangs up on him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so later on, AJ's on the phone with his mom, and he's even telling his mom, yeah, uh, she's a lying fucking bitch, that girl. She's like, well, you shouldn't really say that, sweetie. Me and your dad, we really want you to come visit us. Why don't you come to Detroit Detroit, and visit us? So he didn't tell his mom that he was in his hometown. He completely ignores that. And uh, then he calls his buddy to uh, meet him up at a bar. And they're both getting shit-faced drunk. And his buddy asks him, yo, so really listen, happened? man, I- I'm your friend, but what happened? Just be real with me. And... He was like, yeah, I mean, we fucked, and she just needed a little bit convincing is all. She yeah. said no at first, but then she was totally into it. Um, So you're starting to get some insights. And when you hear that, it, it makes you think, like, I'm not going to get super political or anything on this uh, podcast, but at what point is rape rape? Because of, like most times that you meet somebody at the bar and you're trying to hook up with them at first, it's like a playful no and then turns into, yeah, let's go hang out. Yeah. Uh, and, and is that really rape? Is it not? I don't know. Obviously, alcohol makes us that way. Consent's not consent, and I'll just leave it at that. But it, it makes you kind of sort of feel for him at this moment a little bit. Um, so AJ drives drunk home um, and calls 
the girl Megan who accused him of rape <laughs> and leaves her a voicemail saying, hey, I guess that you don't want to talk with me right now, and I get that. Listen, I'm really sorry if I did anything that night that offended you, and hey, listen, I'm not even mad about you. So he's basically blaming her for what happened at yeah. this point. Not even mad at you. I just want to talk it out. So please give me a call, so then I can even tell you I'm sorry again. And once again, I'm really sorry. <clears throat> Everything that his lawyer said not to do, he just did in a voicemail, which yeah. is permanent, uh, <laughs> permanently on that phone. I just kept thinking she's gonna like send this to her lawyer right away. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So AJ wakes up hungover. He's throwing up and sees the toothbrush again. Uh, and he goes through, like, he's just like, fuck this. And he starts going through their stuff. He's trying to find out who these people are. And, like, he finds Tess's laptop. He's like, finally, here we go. Here's something's Tess. And he tries one password and just chucks the fucking laptop <laughs> across the room. <laughs> like, you wouldn't know the password. And second off, you don't throw somebody's laptop. <laughs> Uh, so he walks into the basement to see if the squatters are down there and he's yelling down there, Hey, listen to me. I have a gun and I'm going to open up on whoever the hell is down there. If you don't, but if you come up right now, I'll let you go. <laughs> he's acting like he's not scared, but he's very scared. Yes. So he goes over, he grabs a knife and a flashlight and heads downstairs. He's once again telling him, Hey, last chance, motherfucker, you need to get out of here. No response. So he sees the mirror set up and hears noise on the other side of the fake door, finds the rope, pulls it. Uh, the one that Tess pulled before, and it opens up the fake door. And AJ sees this dark, scary room. Then he walks in there. He sees the rape room. Uh, and then instantly it flashes to his computer screen, and he types in, can underground rooms be listed as square footage? This is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> it, this whole scene is the funniest shit that I I, I've it. seen in a long time. <laughs> so he finds out that it cannot be counted as square footage area, but it can be counted as uh, like living area. So he goes downstairs with this tape measure to see how much room he has in there. And he's... <laughs> Like going into the rape room, pushing the bed from side to side so he can get an accurate measurement of what the room is. He's measuring the other room. And then he notices the other door, which leads down the tunnel. And as soon as he opens it up, he is super pumped. He's like, Fuck yes. And he pulls the measuring tape out again. <laughs> He's measuring the tunnel. <laughs> He's measuring of these the dark tunnels <laughs> and not scared of what's in there. Everything around it's super creepy, but he's just pumped out like, fuck yeah, I'm going to make some money on that shit. <laughs> yeah, it, that was the best scene of the whole movie. I know it wasn't supposed to be like... Oh, it was 100% supposed to be funny. Oh, I know it's supposed to be funny. I'm just saying like, it doesn't fit at all. No. And it was great. I yeah. loved it. So uh, he's uh, walking through the tunnels, me measuring stuff. He sees the cage. He's like, eh, that's weird. I mean, me measure that room, too. Yeah. <laughs> so he keeps going, and he sees a light on in the distance, and then he stops measuring stuff. He gets a little bit nervous, and he goes into that room. He's still holding the measuring tape, and there are blankets everywhere, and there's a small TV with a video playing of a woman teaching somebody how to breastfeed. And then all of a sudden, something pulls on the measuring, measuring tape away from him, and there is this awesome, awesome shot of first person in the tunnel like it's going you're staring down the tunnel with the light on yeah. he drops his flashlight so now you're in a first person shot down the hallway with the flashlight that's flashing on and off and you can see this creature coming in from the distance until she's right on top of him awesome scene yeah it was a great visual 
So she throws him into the pit, and you find out Tess is now with him. Once again, cut to black. Yeah. Now we are in 70s Detroit. I'm assuming it's 70s. It looks very 70s, and it's such an awesome, awesome. This is my favorite scene in the movie, hands down. It is uh, Frank, the home, the original homeowner of this house uh, in the 70s. Super bright, super beautiful little community. Uh, kids playing in the streets. Uh, you can tell this is when Detroit was booming, when it was the car capital of the world, basically. Yep. And he drives over to the convenience store and asks the lady, I need some help. I need plastic sheets. And she gives him some plastic sheets. She's like, oh, what else do you need? Uh, and he says baby items. And he's like, oh, are you going over to Mercy, the hospital over in Detroit? And he's like, no, going to be a home birth. Oh, bless your soul. And just super friendly, super helpful person. Helps her, helps him, uh, gives him a whole bunch of baby stuff, gives him a video VHS of breastfeeding to teach how to do that because this is his first one. He has no help. And she's helping him out. So yeah. he loads the stuff into the trunk and he see he spots a woman and then decides to stalk her. Um, so he's just waiting in his car for her to move. She moves. He follows her. And then he pulls up like a street away from her, waits for her to go inside, gets out of his car, throws on uh, some overalls, and goes and knocks on the door and tells her that uh, he needs to check out her house because they've been having some problems, uh, power problems in the area. So she lets him in. He walks around the house for a bit and then goes into the bathroom, turns the sink on, acting like he's washing his hands. But really, all that he did was unlock the window. He turned the sink on so he couldn't hear him. Yeah. Um. So he leaves and tells her, hey, everything in your house looks good. But if you guys run into any problems, just give us a call. So he pulls back up to his house now and his neighbor says that he's selling his house. He wants to get out because he can see the neighborhood going to hell. He wants to get out before the market crashes. And he says, I'm not going anywhere. He gets home, take uh, didn't even take off his electrical outlet that he uh, went to that person's house with, with the name Carlos on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty ballsy to do that. Um, either way, he walks into the house, opens up the door to the basement. As soon as he does, you can hear a woman screaming down there. Yeah. And now, boom, scene's over. We're back in the basement with Tess and AJ. I love how this movie jumps back and forth. It does it so freaking well. Yeah. The transitions are great. Uh, So Tess is telling him, uh, hey, hey, calm down. Calm down. If you get upset, this uh, thing that I'm going to call mother from here on out is going to get very upset. Yeah. You need to calm down and just do what she wants to do. And mother reaches in with a dirty bottle into the cage uh, for them to drink. And Tess is telling him, just drink it, drink the goddamn bottle. And he doesn't do it. But then she brings it over to her um, and she drinks it. And then she's like, she just wants you to be their baby. That's all that she wants. He's not doing it. So mother opens the door, hug, goes over, hugs Tess, calling her Baba. So she can't speak. All that she can really do is make some noises. And she then threatens AJ because he wouldn't do what she wanted him to do. Um, and she grabs him and rips him out of the cage. So now Tess is in the cage by herself. Uh, she drags him into the room with the breastfeeding video and boops him on the nose. Boop! <laughs> 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 and she did it because uh, the video showed 
uh, how to do that. Like if all the, if the child's not eating, what you need to do is you boop them on the nose, and that will open up their mouth, and then they're ready to breastfeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was just funny how she did it. Like this giant, towering, seven foot cave dwelling naked yeah. woman thing with titties hanging down the floor. <laughs> uh, so it goes back to Tess. She climbs out of the cage because obviously mother is now preoccupied. And she walks by the breastfeeding room and you can see her trying to force feed AJ. <laughs> so now he the roles have kind of reversed. AJ is kind of getting force raped despite yeah. not wanting to. Um, and Tess uh, finds her way out of the house. Uh, she ends up having to break the... Uh, window to get out because the door slammed shut and uh the homeless guy that chased her down before now helps her out of the uh house and mother kind of reaches out for her but doesn't get there in time she's telling the homeless guy hey we need to get a phone we need to call the police right now and the homeless guy's like hey i don't have a phone but we need to get the fuck out of here i know what's in that house and we yeah. need to leave um so aj we're flashing back and forth. There's a lot of flashing back and forth at this point. AJ is walking around the tunnel trying to escape and finds a bell attached to a rope and starts following that. And you can hear mother yelling for him in the distance. So he runs and the rope leads him into another door. So yet another door. <laughs> we should Bet have you counted. this can't be more fucked up behind this one. We should have counted how many doors there were. Yeah. Uh, so you can see this cool visual of mother in the distance. Like you can only see her kind of hiding behind the light. She doesn't want to be in full light, but she's obviously scared of what's in that room. But he's terrified of her, so he just opens the door and goes in. Yeah. Now we're back to Tess. She's walking around downtown and finds a gas station and asks the attendant to call the police. Now we're back into the house again. AJ is walking around this disgusting room. It's got crap all over the floor. There's a TV on. There's a radio playing. There's women's clothes laying on the tables. And Frank uh, from the cutscene is in the bed, but he's old as hell looking. He, he looks like he's got to be in his 80s or so, maybe 90. Um, now we're back to Tess. Tess is talking with the cops and... They're really not even listening to her oh. because she's disgusting. She obviously was spent weeks underground. But to them, she's a crackhead. Yeah. She's just a woman on the streets just making some shit up. She's like, yeah, I've been held captive uh, for the past few weeks. That's why I look like this. I'm not a crackhead. So once again, she's doing the same thing that Bill Skarsgård, uh, uh, Keith, Keith, was doing at the beginning of the movie saying, I'm not going to rape you. Yeah, she's specifically saying the thing that she's not. I'm not a crackhead, and the cops yeah. are just like, mm, "Okay, crackhead." Yeah, <laughs> um, they're like, "Hey, do you have any ID?" She's like, "No, I don't have an ID. I have nothing. I was held captive." Yeah, so we're back into the basement, and Frank is asking, like, he can't get out of bed. He's bedridden, and he's asking AJ to bring him some water. And AJ's telling him, "Hey, don't worry, man. Don't worry. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to call the cops. Everybody's going to know about what that thing is down here, and everything's going to be blown up. I'm going to get you out of here." And Frank hears that, and he asks him to bring him something, but he can't understand him, so he just brings the whole uh, end table over to him. Now we're back to the cops. The cops see the broken window, and uh, she clearly doesn't live there. So the cops are like, "The only crime that I see here is." You broke this window. Right. And they get a call saying that shots are fired because, once again, we're in downtown Detroit. <laughs> and it's a super <laughs> shitty area. And now we're back to AJ and he sees 
tons of VHS tapes, and they're all labeled. Some of them have names on them. Some of them are only labeled with certain features. Like, he pops in a tape that says Gas Station Redhead. Um, so the cops leave, and Tess breaks a window to climb back into the building and grab her keys. And AJ watches a video. It doesn't show the video. It does a very good job of that. But you can clearly tell what's happening in this video. It's yeah. Frank raping those women. Um, and the look on AJ's face is like, dude, you're a fucked up person. So now it's a fucked up person seeing a more fucked up person. Yeah. Um, and Frank pulls a gun out of the uh, end table. End table. Goes back to test. She grabbed her keys from inside, goes outside, gets in her car. And then Frank turns the gun on himself, shoots himself in the head. Mother busts out of the door and Tess just slams her with the car, pinning her against the uh, house. At this point, her car won't turn on. So I think that her plan was to drive away, get the cops, come back with the cops. Um, but because the car no longer runs, she goes into the house to try and get AJ. She tries to help him. So now we're down in the tunnels. AJ grabs the gun and starts walking away. And you get the cool visual, once again, the first person of the gun that he's holding in the flashlight. Tess climbs back in to try and find him and help him escape. AJ sees somebody in the hall and shoots, thinking that it's mother. And it was just Tess. So yeah, I jumped Tess. at that scene. Yeah, it's tough to see. So he's like super concerned about it, super, hey, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought that you were her. And he helps her out of the house, um, picks her up helps her out because AJ's just a good guy like that. <laughs> um, Tess says that she's gone. Like they get outside and the car's busted up against the uh, house, but mother is gone. She's not there anymore. Um, and she's, Tess is freaking out about this. She's like, I, I know where we can go. And they go to the homeless man's tent and the homeless man said, is talking to both of them. Like, Hey guys can't leave. They come out at night. You can't be out there while they're out there. You'll be safe here. I've been here for 40 years and nothing ever happened to me. And then all of a sudden, mother busts through the freaking wall, yeah. rips both of the homeless guy's arms <sighs> out, and just beats him with them, like violently beating the man with his own arms. <laughs> like, first off, how the fuck does this person have so much strength? <laughs> right. Um, he, he actually mentions to them, uh, Frank, the guy that's in there, uh, that's her mother that's her dad's house frank and he made babies in there and then he made babies with the babies and the babies with those babies and it's just some inbred thing so this person is a 40 year old incest child yeah uh and knows nothing outside of the walls of those tunnels or the house disgusting and it makes you feel bad for the person it really does because that person lived a completely innocent life it's not her fault of right what's going on it's the circumstances the real monster in there was frank um but anyway the homeless man dies and they both run to get away and they climb a water tower um uh aj runs up first and tess is behind him she's a lot slower because she got shot obviously she's yelling yeah. at him hey help me out here wait for me and he makes it up to the top and he's freaking the fuck out because mother's following him and uh he's just like she's gonna get me she's never going to stop and he's like but i know how to slow her down and he grabs tess by the hair looks at mother and says come get your baby throws her off the water tower i know and there's this slow motion shot of her falling down the tower 
And then what's supposed to be like a sad, dramatic shot of mother diving after her just looks so stupid. She head dives off of the tower to save her baby. (laughs) Um, But then it shows them on the side of the tower and mother somehow fell faster and got underneath her and Tess fell on top of mother um, in just big blood splurt. I could not believe that AJ threw her off the the roof. Yeah. So he looks down, sees them on top of each other. He runs down to try and help her. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. Uh, Because he knows his test is alive and he's apologizing or saying sorry, but he blamed her. He's like, hey, you slipped and fell. Yeah. So once again, AJ, everything that you had before about is this person really bad? Did this rape really happen? It did. Yeah, there's it's confirming no doubt. It. There is no doubt at this point. A- AJ is just a bad person, and you fucking hate him. Yep. And uh, mother gets up, strangles him, and pokes his eyes out <sighs> in super gory fashion. It and literally looked pokes like his eyes so hard that he, it splits his head. It looked like when you squish a grape. Yeah. Oh, so gross. So mother sees. Uh, Tess is injured. She's looking at the gunshot and cries for her baby. She's actually crying for her. And Tess is like, sorry, I can't. I can't. I can't go back to that place. And grabs a gun. Hold it to mother's head. Uh, mother kisses uh, her fingers and touches her saying, my baby. And then she shoots her right in the face. Yeah. Credits roll. And during the post credit scene, the best part is it starts playing the my baby song. Yeah. There goes my baby. Oh. <laughs> uh, awesome movie. Very, very cool movie. Highly recommend. If you enjoy horror movies, you're probably going to like this one. Yeah, but I, I definitely think it's like a one watch. It is. Uh, like I said, it definitely dropped on my second watch. Um, but I still enjoyed it. Um, everything about it I enjoyed. Uh, this is a movie that if you don't like horror you'll like aspects of it. You're probably yeah. going to like the first 30, 40 minutes. And then once you find out that there's a decrepit troll monster living in the tunnels, <laughs> you'll lose any interest in the movie. Yeah. Um, you also will not like anything about the third act of this movie from when they're out of the house. But the concept of it, like the first half, the parts with Frank are all great whether you like horror or not. But this is not something that if you don't like horror movies, you're going to go in and say, oh, that's great. You're going to be like, that is the most retarded movie that I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a really good watch. It kept me on my toes because it just kept building and building and building. Yeah. Um, So a couple of the things I saw in here is uh, Zach Krager officially offered the role of AJ to Zach Efron, who turned it down causing Krager to completely rethink the role, kind of reshape it a little bit, and then offered it to Justin Long, who accepted it. Whenever I think of Justin Long, I know that he's in a bunch of comedy movies, but I instantly go back to Jeepers Creepers, which I think is by far his best horror performance ever. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. I love the character that he played. The brother-sister vibes felt so freaking real in it. Awesome. The film set is 476 Barbary Street. The year 476 is when the barbarians invaded Rome. Wow. Which is another pretty cool one. Um, Hollywood Reporter Expose on AJ is written by Kim Masters, who is a real-life reporter at the trade publication in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein cases. She became known for breaking stories about men in the film and TV industries who have been accused of sexual assault. 
And in what is likely words on play, the movie's title is Airb. The title Airbnb is on Barbary Street. So huh. pretty neat. Um, overall, great movie. Highly recommend it. It's a good watch. Um, definitely check it out. Fucking Pennywise, man. <laughs> uh, until next time, I'm Phil. And I'm Stacy. This is the Horror's Edge podcast. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>